Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello, and welcome back to another week of Vikings Happy Hour. Uh, today, Ryan, Miles, and myself are joined by Eric Crocker of the Crocker Report. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. How y'all doing? I'm great. Um, traditionally, we start this show by kind of going around and and seeing what people have to drink. Uh, I drank too much last weekend, uh, so I'm just sticking with a bubbly tonight. Uh, but if you have something to drink and you want to share, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I only drink the best of water, so I'm drinking great value um, from Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I love uh, it. I'm great value everything. So, <laughs> yeah. Ryan, what do you got tonight? You know, I'm switching it up. I typically have been trying to do the Angry Inch, but I didn't have time to get down there today and drank the rest of my growler last weekend like you. So I'm doing a Indeed Mexican Honey Light. Awesome. Miles? I got coffee today. <laughs> I got work. I got I'm, night. It's been it's been a it's been a busy week, busy last week and a half. So, you know, you know how it goes. Damn, you have me all drinking alone here. Damn, you're not drinking alone. There's people <laughs> you're not in the drinking chat. alone. <laughs> Dave, Water Dave, is always got a beer. He's Flying dog, beer. the truth. Oh damn! He's IPA Ryan shotgun with him. Nine point <laughs> or eight point seven. So, it's good IPA. Thanks for joining us, Eric, and I'm looking forward to a great show. Yeah, um, like David just said, thanks for joining us. I know you're a busy guy out there, and uh, you know I know that all three of us, I feel like I can speak on on their behalf. Uh, we love the work that you put out on Twitter, uh, the Crocker Report, and so I just want to give you a, a little bit of time here to just kind of you know tell everybody who's watching or who will be listening, kind of who you are and 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 what you do and how you got to to the Crocker Report, and uh, then we can dive into to some other stuff. Oh, man. So, um, you know, former professional football player, you know, I spent some time with the New York Jets. Uh, I played, you know, some years of arena football and uh, I kind of got into this space by, man, like uh, back, I'd say like 2016 or, or so, like 2015, 2016, 49er fans would complain about a play that happened. So what I would do is just um, I would record it with my phone and then post like what happened. And like, I'd be like, oh, this is what happened. And like, one thing led to another. People started asking me to come on my like, podcast and talk about, you know, players and kind of what was going on. And it's weird because, like, the, the breakdowns and the full video, all that, it wasn't really, like, big at all back then. Um, and it's kind of blossomed into something really big. And luckily for me, I kind of got out ahead of it. And I was one of the, I don't want to say pioneers, but I was somebody that did it for a while and, and people just took to it. So, uh, and they were kind of, like, taking off. One thing led to another. I ended up you know, developing my own, you know, website and everything and getting other guys on there that are uh, just as passionate about talking football as I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow some guy, I think his name's Damien. Uh, yeah. he, he does some great work for the Crocker Report as well. Uh, do you have any fun stories from, from your time in the NFL? I know you were, you were, you were around <laughs> when, when Rex Ryan was the head coach uh, with the Jets, right? Yeah, Rex. Yeah, Rex is tight, man. Um, he he is one of my favorite coach. He is my favorite coach I've ever been around. Like the best coach I've ever been around. Um, he had the unique ability to be not only be like a players coach, but X's and O's coach as well. And he was like master motivator. So like a team that year that went eight and eight, it really had no business winning eight games. Like it was terrible. Like the offense was so bad. Like you know the quarterback. I mean, there were games where uh, Matt Sims had to start at quarterback. So. For him to be able to get, you know, eight wins out of that team, that roster, I think that speaks to, you know, how good of a coach he is. And, you know, it was unfortunate, you know, just he ne they never got the offense right. So he ended up kind of getting the boot. But, um, you know, Rex, man, uh, I, I'm i trying to – I don't know how X-rated or PG I have to be on this. but um, No, you can – uncensored. You are A-OK. -okay. All right. So, okay, I'll tell one story. <laughs> so we're, this is, this is, so, so Rex is, is an amazing teacher, but I, I didn't realize that at first until I'm like, dang, like there's something different, but he's a great teacher. So we would be in there, right. We're, we're going through 
uh, you know, f- film and whatever, where, where we're getting ready for install. And he would always kind of correlate like a play call to some kind of like real life events. All right. So, um, so, so he had this one, one play, right. And, and the way he led into it, you know, and he was like, all right, guys, um, how many of you guys, he was like, raise your hand if you like bald pussy. Right. So, you know, guys would raise their hands. And then he'd be like, all right, raise your hand if you like a little landing strip. Like, if you just like a little bit of hair. So, you know, a couple more guys raised their hand. And then he was like, raise your hand if you like a muff, like just a hairy pussy, right? <laughs> and people were like, you know, and like, it's like some of the coaches raised their hands. They're like, yeah, we're old school. We like that stuff. So this, he was like, this play call is called, like, show muff, blah, 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 blah. And that's how he kind of taught and, like, got you to kind of remember and like, you know, yeah. he just had an interesting way of like teaching and it was very catchy. But um, yeah, that's that's like one story where I thought, you know, people might like it. <laughs> hey, um, there are a lot of other stuff went on, but yeah, that was, that was a good one. Coaches are wild. Yeah, and Rex is like the wildest. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how to top that story. That's. Wait, I have a quick question. Croc, were you on uh, Hard Knocks? Nah, I came like the next year. Okay. I believe. So, yeah, and I watched it. And it was weird, too, because um, when I had my private workout, they they flew me in. And, you know, I've you know I, I never seen Rex Ryan in person or anything. So, when I've seen Hard Knocks like the year before or whatever. And, you know, Rex Ryan was fat. And then I, I get to you know, New Jersey, that's where the Jets are. And I'm having my workout and I look and I'm like, oh damn, that's Rex Ryan. And I'm like, wait a minute, where's the rest of them? He was hella skinny. He had just <laughs> had that surgery and got like skinny and got skinny. So um but yeah I, I wasn't yeah I wasn't there during uh during hard knocks. Was that's awesome. I, I got all what my years. led to you what led to you signing with the Jets? Uh you know I I, I saw that I was trying to look up and do a little background research and it seems like you had a hell of a year. Uh, in the Arena Football League that year before. Oh, yeah, man. Crazy story, man. Like, one, like, it's just kind of crazy how it all played out. Like, you know, I, I, I struggled academically in high school. So I, 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 um, I was ineligible. I only, I only played, like, five games my junior year. Um, I only played five games my senior year because of eligibility issues. So I went the junior college route. I played my freshman year. Then I ended up flunking out of there. Then I had a son. So I was actually out of school and football and everything for three years, just doing all kind of random stuff. Like, and I went back to junior college at the age of 21. I think I played at like 22, my sophomore year of junior college. Um, from there, I was able to get a, a, a scholarship. I had D1s that liked me a lot, but I didn't have a time clock to be able to go to a Division One school. So I went D2 um, and played there for two years. Then I had the opportunity to go to the Arena League. Um, someone presented me with that opportunity. I'm like, heck yeah, I'm gonna jump on this. And, um, so I, I played extremely well that year. I started every game as a rookie and we had a, we had a big year. And after the season, I went to a, do you guys remember the, the league, the UFL? Yep. Yeah. So they, they only had like four or five teams or whatever, but they were paying like $5,000 a week. I'm like, Oh, I need to be in that league. So I went to a UFL <laughs> tryout. Um, they didn't keep me cause I didn't have like NFL attached, attached to my name. And the, this stuff is all political, man. But I, I killed the workout. They liked me. They had me stay after, field punts and stuff. Um, they didn't keep me. I didn't have an NFL attached to my name. But the agent there, he saw me. He really liked me. He's like, hey, I remember you from the Talons. Like, I want to be your agent. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Let me sign with him. So I signed with him. And then he um, like, he kept getting back to me. I was like, hey, all these arena teams, they really want you. I was a free agent at this time. And I'm like, look, like, I can do arena stuff on my own. Can you get me to the CFL? He was like, oh, you got to crawl before you walk or whatever. He had this whole little philosophy or whatever. I'm like, man, I'm not trying to hear this. Like, I had some teammates that were behind me, didn't even play, and they were getting CFL workouts. So you got to make something shape. And um, he uh, he never did. So I reached out to another buddy of mine who had an agent. He took a look at my film. He was like, hey, I think we got something here. Eventually, he had CFL teams immediately ready to fly me out to any workout I wanted to go to. So I'm like, wow, really? Okay, like, of course. Like, yeah, I want to do that. He was like, all right, so you got to sign with me. So I fired my agent. I hired him. And I'd say within two hours, about 10 NFL teams hit him. 
to fly me in. Like, I wasn't even thinking about NFL. I'm thinking about getting to the CFL and a bunch of NFL teams. So I went to the uh, – I had the Saints workout first. I had the Philadelphia Eagles workout. And then I had the Jets workout, and the Jets ended up signing me. Sweet. That's that's an incredible journey. Yeah, and then, like, the day of the Jets workout, like, I had a court. I wasn't even supposed to be able to leave, like, that county. And um, I had to lie to – I lied to New York and told them – like, oh, uh, somebody died and I had to go to a funeral. So um, that was my way of being able to go to court without telling them, hey, I got court. And I went to court. <laughs> my probation officer was like, nah, we're not letting you go. The judge overruled it. The judge let me go to the workout. So that was kind of how that that whole thing played out. Like, it, was, it was crazy. Yeah. Who were who were some of your teammates back then? Was Cromartie so, um, on the team still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crow was there. So, so when I first got there, it was like Crow, Kyle Wilson, um, Revis, uh, Demario Davis, but he was oh, young. Yeah. This was like maybe his second year in the NFL. Um, like Quentin Copels, Muhammad Wilkerson, uh, Sheldon Sheldon Richardson, and D. Miller ended up getting there. They were drafted that year. Um, offensively, there was like Geno Smith. He was a rookie, uh, so I was there before Geno. But you know, eventually when the rookie showed up. Gino, uh, Mark Sanchez, uh, Santonio Holmes, he was there, but I think he ended up retiring. Uh, Braden Edwards was there, but yeah, he got cut during training camp. Uh, yeah, there was some names, man. There was some names. There was some names there. That defense was shut down back then. The defense was good, so I didn't get the. I wasn't there really long <coughs> with uh, Darrell Revis. Revis, Revis held out at first. He was coming off of an ACL yep. injury. And he and he held out at first. So when we all re- reported for OTAs, he wasn't there originally. Then after a while, I'd say after a few weeks, he showed up and he was around for maybe two weeks. Then they traded him to Tampa Bay. Mm, that year, okay. So I, I wasn't around him as as much as like you know Cromartie and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm real cool with Crow, but yeah, and that was cool. Though. I mean, my, my my locker was like right next to Revis, so uh, just to <laughs> you know a guy like me, like the path I took to, to get there. And, you know, it was all like, just real, like surreal for real. Should have taken his two, four when he got traded. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who, who got it? Um, matter of fact, my boy, uh, John Griffin got it. So if you guys, you know, follow me on Twitter, you'll see, I posted something today about somebody telling me about JC Horn from a year ago. And they were like, Hey, yeah. nobody's talking about this JC Horn cat. Um, and he was like, he's going to, He's 6'2", 208. He's going to run in, in um, 4'4". He's going to vertical jump, 40, blah, blah. Like, this is a year ago he's telling me all this. And then, um, it, you know, J.C. Horn does it today. But he was a strength and conditioning coach these last few years for South Carolina. Now he's with the, uh, now he's with the Rams now. But he would, he would send me all kind of, like, intel from, you know, South Carolina. Uh, Debo Samuel, uh, Ken Law, Brian Edwards. He would tell me about all these guys. So. I mean, that, that's a great transition into just kind of talking about some of these prospects, right? I mean, I, I read that tweet that you're mentioning today, and uh, it's like someone looked into the future because every little thing in that, <laughs> in that DM was verbatim what's happening with J.C. Horn uh, yeah. right now. So I want to give you an opportunity. And, you know, I know Ryan, he's, he's a big draft guy on our team here. Uh, Miles and I are just on the out, outside a little bit. But uh, – what do you like about J.C. Horn? I know he's your your cornerback one. You mentioned it before we went live, and um, I've seen it all on Twitter. But but what do you like so much about J.C. Horn? Yeah, you know, well, some of the things that my buddy was telling me, you know, about just his mentality and how he, you know, was an alpha male. Like I said, came in as a freshman and was like the leader of a secondary. He has a – I feel like he has a lot of intangibles you can't teach. So, like, a lot of people will compare, like, him and Sertain, right? And the one thing that everybody points out to Sertain is, well, oh, his technique is so flawless. Like, he's so good at the line of scrimmage. And my thing is, well, like, I can teach technique, but I can't teach someone to be, like, an alpha male, an alpha dog, like, have those leadership skills, like, consistently just always want to get better, work harder. Now, maybe some of that comes because I, you know, I've heard all these things from people about how he is and how he goes about his business. But extremely intelligent. And then when you watch the film and everything that they're telling me matches up 
with what, what I'm seeing on film, um, it was hard not to really just fall in love with him. I mean, he was very aggressive. I thought he was versatile. You know, he was guarding guys on the outside. You know, he's somebody that took on the challenge of guarding Seth Williams, who, you know, is one of the better receivers in college football. And it's like, hey, I'm going to take this dude and I'm just going to erase him from the entire game. Now, Seth did have a good catch early on. And then after that, he was just shut out. And, you know, they <laughs> JC made life extremely difficult for him. So to have somebody that just takes on that type of challenge that has that mindset of, hey, coach, like the coaches didn't say, hey, this is the game plan. He went to the coach and was like, hey, I'm guarding him. So just like that type of mindset, that type of guy is like, it's hard not to like him. And then you see his movement skills for his size. I think he has really good um, feet and his change of direction is solid for his size. Moves well. Obviously, he can run. Um, he's very athletic. And he he's just that, that just that alpha, just a dog. And I, I feel like it's hard to come across people that really love the game that much, that want to put that much into it and care that much with that type of talent and physicality to match it. So, and then with, with everything I'm hearing, I want guys that love football. You know, I want guys that like enjoy the process. And from all the people, whether it's my guy that was a coach there or people I've seen him train with and whatnot, everybody says the, the dude loves it. He breathes it. Anytime he has a chance, he's always working. He's always out there trying to get better. So it's hard to like somebody more than that when you when you hear those type of things about him because there, there's a lot of prospects that don't love the game. They don't love the process. And they're, you know, they're okay with like, well, I got paid and, you know, and it's hard to find out who those guys are until sometimes it's too late. And I mean, Absolutely. that dude's been around football and, his whole life. Right. But you know what? And even then, like, sometimes you, you would think a guy that has, you know, and I don't know his circumstances at home, if he just, if Joe Hearn did great with his money or whatever, but a guy that has been around it and has seen it, sometimes you can take it one or two ways. One way is like, okay, I see what it takes and I'm going to work this hard. And it's been instilled with me from a kid or you might be a little bit more entitled. Don't work as hard. Um, you know, you are blessed with physical gifts, but it's like, well, I've always been the best player and you don't really work to take those next steps. So, you know, those, those are things. It seems like this class is full of guys who, you know, parents played in the NFL and um, work extremely hard to, to, you know, uh, shake that. But that, that was one thing that jumped out to me. Like it, it's not a guy who prepares like, Hey, I've grown up and I was, you know, I was, pretty well off. If that was the case, I don't know that would be the case, but, um, you know, he seems as hungry as someone who grew up with nothing. Yeah, for sure. And, and you see that in his film, like I said, or like you were saying, that dude is a dog. Like he kind of reminds me with the mentality of like a Jair Alexander, you know, not the same play style, Mm -hmm. but just in terms of the alpha male on the field and he's going to get in your face and and own that matchup. Um, I was watching the Florida game. And he was up in Kyle Pitts's pocket all game. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it, yeah. it's just fun to watch. And, uh, and he's been kind of a late riser, which is cool to see because, you know, you had the, the uh, Sertan and the, and the Farley that were kind of, you know, up there. And the more and more people are watching Horn and reading up on him and, and seeing him, he's shooting up those draft boards. And another guy like that's Greg Newsom. Uh, and, and I wanted to hear your thoughts because Newsom, you know, I, I, we live up here in Minnesota, so we've gotten to see his Northwestern games here and there uh, throughout the last couple of years, and he's really blown up. And so, you know, what, what do you like about Greg Newsom? So Newsom was someone that I just recently came across. You know, um, a lot of times we, I, I try to, like, block out what people are saying about prospects. Like, you know, I'll hear about prospects here and there, or sometimes I'll see a guy while watching other prospects, but I ain't watching no Northwestern film. So, you know, I had never heard of him or seen him until like pretty much like this draft. I think like the Ohio State game, I started to kind of hear about Northwestern guys and that he was talented, but I didn't really watch him until like a few weeks ago. And once I watched him, I'm like, oh, this is different. You know, um, the, the things that really stand out to me, one, I'm really big on versatility. So I love the fact that he played a lot of off coverage and you get to see his feet. You get to see his change of direction. You get to see like his instincts. You get to see how he reacts when, you know, he has to play it honest. And what I mean by that, like you can see how guys play when they are able to anticipate and it all, it looks really good. But when you can't anticipate and you have to play it honest, like how, how are your feet? How's your change of direction? Then I thought he was plus in that category. Um, and he was just as good in uh, press coverage as he was in off coverage. And I thought that was like, 
another thing that was extremely big time because that that's very rare. I'm watching the guy, and I'm like, man, okay, he looks like he's about. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't look at size and all that before I watch the film. I want the film to tell me how I feel about this guy. You know, so I don't look at how much they weigh, how big they are. Obviously, like on film, you can kind of see, but I just want their, I want their movement skills. I want that to tell me how I feel about them. And I was like, okay, he moves like a 5'10 guy, you know, 185. Maybe I think he's a little smaller or whatever because his, you know, change of direction is really good. His hips are good. His feet are really good. A lot of times you get that type of movement skills with a smaller guy. Then he has his pro day and he's six foot, 193 pounds, 192 pounds. Then runs in the four threes. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is different. You know, when you, when you have that type of size and you're able to move like that and then you have that speed, you know, and that versatility, if I didn't know so much about JC Horn, Newsom probably would be my 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 CB one. I like him that much. Newsom, you, Newsom yeah. reminds me of. Oh my bad, Matt. No, go ahead. Oh, and one more uh, thing, real I quick. Just, I don't know about the whole ahead. injury stuff. Like that, that that's a whole okay. other thing. That's like, what I was going to ask you. About, so skip on miles. Yeah, or, or go to. I, I don't know. Like I, I just dug into his film, and then I find out yeah. he's missed some time with injuries and things like that. So I, I don't know about that, and that could make somebody you know slide him down someone's board or go later in the draft or whatever the case is. But if you just going off of the film that I watched, the games that I watched of him, it was it, it was as good as it can get for a prospect to show his ability to do all things, you know, run down the field with guys, be in the guy's face, hips, change the direction, play things honest. Like all those things were really good. I thought he could be a little bit better with his click and close. But, you know, like as far as like his just initial burst, but aside from that, I thought everything else was like pretty textbook. Sorry, Sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. I, so one thing you touched on that I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about a little bit more about is the um, the off coverage versus man coverage, press coverage type of, of of situations. For me, when I watch players, the off coverage is more important because, like to your point, you can teach some of that. You can teach technique. Technique's always a, a teachable moment. The harder part of te- of teaching is when you're in off coverage. Is that uh, is a mentality and understanding of coverage and understanding of uh, of, of route recognition and all those things. And so when you're in man co- press man coverage, you don't have to focus on anything but the man in front of you. But when you're in off coverage and, uh, you know, you have to you have to scan the field, you have to know what everybody else around you is responsible for. So there's a little bit more of a uh, like you have to be more heady and more uh, football IQ aspect of things rather than just focus on the man in front of you. So I just like like when I it's, it's hard to like know exactly how how intelligent a football player is, but you can usually see some instinct that natural instincts players have. That's why I like I love Newsom so much. There's that like he'll jump off of a he'll 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 jump off of a um, off coverage and, and and try to jump a route because he he can read and re- recognize something. That was always something I'm really big on. Like uh, Mike Hughes a few years back when he was coming out of college, you could tell there was some raw like raw ability there, but like the instincts were there. And that's why I was really high on a guy like Mike Hughes, and that's why like for Newsom, that's why I'm I'm such a high I'm so high on him now is that like natural instinct that he brings. Yeah, now nah, I, I agree. In those things, it's kind of hard to teach. Some people are a little afraid of that. They'll, you know, that moment of when you recognize something and you see it and you can feel it and jump in it. Some guys want to play more safe, you know, and right. they'd rather give up to your catch because they're scared. Of, oh well, what if it's a double mover? Or what if it's not what I'm thinking? And you know, they'll they'll just give up the the, the catch in front of them. I liked how he challenged everything at you know at the catch point, you know. Um, there were times again, like I said, I'd see him give up a you know an eight yard catch where I'm like, uh, I feel like he could have exploded out of his break a little bit more. But for the most part, by you know his office coverage skills, which is really hard, like you got to have feet for that. Um, right. You know, I thought I thought he was really good there. And one thing I really like to see from off coverage because it just it just shows versatility. But when you can see somebody's movement skills and how he challenges himself from there, now I know like okay, he's somebody he can play in a nickel as well. Um, so now when I'm thinking about like what I would want from my cornerback, right? Like, oh, can you, can you follow a guy? Can you play a guy in the nickel? Can you play outside? You know, we saw Chris Harris do that for a long time with the Broncos where he lined up in base outside, sliding the nickel, you know, that's tougher. Um, and the, but that just makes your defense that much better to have a guy with that type of versatility. So um, those are things I really liked about this. I want to switch over to another cornerback who we recently had some news on this week, uh, Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. Uh, was announced that he was going to have, I think, some back surgery, uh, though he's not slated to really miss any time uh, from a game's perspective. 
what are your takes on him? And, and do you think he's going to like, how far do you think he'll fall? I know he was, he was up there with, with JC Horn and, and certain, but now with this injury, you know, that sometimes kind of scares teams away and it might uh, drop his draft stock a little bit. Yeah, man, it's a little tough because, you know, he's another one of those guys that has dealt with a bunch of injuries and, you know, you, you would at least want to feel more comfortable with him. Okay, he's going to his pro day. He's going to do good. Okay, we see that little profile. We get the numbers now. Like, we see him on film, and he clearly looks like a, a physical freak with some of his ability to be just be able to explode out of his breaks. Um, the way he attacks the ball in the air at his highest point, you know, somebody be able to do that with his size. Like, those things are, like, off the charts. But then it's like, well, missed a bunch of games here, missed games here, had this type of injury, had a back injury. Oh, another back, like – are these things that are going to be lingering? Like if I use high draft capital on them, like is that back just going to go out and I just waste it? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like now there's going to be all these different uh, questions sur- surrounding him. That's, that's tough because you just don't, you don't know. You don't know how that's going to turn out so far. He's been really up and down with the injuries and that's kind of all you have to go off of. And like, like Newsom, at least Newsom, he's had some injuries or whatever, but well, shoot, we might be able to forget about some of that because we saw him at his pro day. Looked good, ran well, body was nice, whatever. When it comes to Farley, there's there we don't know. You can go off of what they say. Oh, well, he'd be ready for a training camp. But what if there's a setback? Like the back is a tricky thing. Like that's is the back is scary. We're not just talking about like I'd almost rather something be like an ACL injury than your back. <laughs> like ACL, you come right back from that, right? Like with surgery now, you'll be, you know, back in nine months or whatever. But with your back. And it sounds like it's a, a injury that he had before. That's that's a that's a little scarier for me. So as far as how far I would drop him, I don't know. You know, I, I you know I I try not to talk too much about the injuries things because um, med- medical staffs get they get paid a lot of money to do those things. But I know if I were in the building, the back that would worry me a little bit. That that would worry me a little bit. Yeah. So a lot of the guys we've talked about so far, are first round picks. We just signed Patrick Peterson. Who knows how highly we're going. Hopefully we take best player available, obviously. And if Horn's there, I'm all for it. He's my CB1 as well. Uh, but again, you know, just looking at our needs on, on, on our team, we're likely not looking at corner till late day two, early day three. So there's some other guys that, you know, we kind of talked about previously uh, in the group chat here. Uh, St. Juiced, um, my guy Trey Brown from Oklahoma. Um, you know, there's a couple of these guys. Who are some of those mid-round guys that uh, you maybe want to, uh, you know, give us some insight and some love on? Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head with St. Juiced. Um, you know, he's he's one of the better prospects, in my opinion. When, when you see a guy at 6'3", you know, 200 pounds or whatever, that can move the way he does with that size. Like, yeah, now he doesn't move like a smaller guy. His His movements are a little bit longer. But – he played a ton of off. Now, I've only watched two games of him, so I don't want to be too bullish on him. But the two games I saw, even one, he gave up a good, like, long touchdown against Maryland. But I thought he was there to contest it. So I just want to see the ability. Hey, you know, I think he closed on the ball, uh, closes extremely well, um, especially for somebody with his longer movements. Um, he can play a lot of press. You know, he played a ton of off coverage. Um, and then he has that length. I, I compared him to Akella Witherspoon. Like, you know, I've watched a lot of Witherspoon. The same things I was saying about Witherspoon coming out of Colorado, that's what I'm saying about, say, Juice, where it's like, hey, he has rare movement skills. He's not stiff. He has good hips, you know, for somebody that is that big. I think the difference between St. Juice and Akella Witherspoon, I think St. Juice has a better um, uh, natural aggressiveness. He's, he has better natural aggressiveness than than what Witherspoon had. So, uh now, I, I, I actually like him a lot. Like, I, I think, you know, if I had to rank guys right now, he might sneak into my top five. I know somebody, some people like, you know, Stokes, Campbell, you know, they tested extremely well and whatnot. But I think, say, Juice, like, just when I just watch the film and what the film tells me, I, I, I probably have him ahead of those two guys, even though they tested very well. Yeah, I was I was watching some, some tape on St. Juice as well, and, I, just his his burst. Uh, I felt like he was constantly breaking up the ball uh, and, and contesting passes. Um, and I just thought that that given his size and his length, he just has a lot of untapped potential. And I feel like he's. I don't want to say this as a Minnesota homer, but I feel like he's 
like under the radar right now and he should be higher than he is in a lot of draft boards yeah i I just retweeted i actually just retweeted a a thread i did on him where you know it shows a a bunch of plays of him playing against uh um um, maryland but uh yeah now there's a lot to like with him in in my opinion i think it's just one of those things where you know he's a transfer transfer from michigan um you know i thought he did well at the senior bowl you know it's just Sometimes when guys don't have the hype like that, then they have to go to the senior bowl and stuff. Sometimes the the buzz kind of wears off just a little bit. But you know, you know, people like us who who have you know seen seen games of him and you guys being up in that area, I think you guys probably have as much appreciation for him as I do. Definitely, uh, Ryan. Kind of Matt. If I I'm hoping this was you're going to transition. Um, yeah, I, 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 I just wanted to bring up. Uh, the Patrick Peterson situation. So Ryan mentioned the name. Croc, I wanted to just touch on a little bit more of like what your thoughts are on the Vikings signing. Uh, we're kind of going back and forth from the NFL to, to college, but whatever. <laughs> like what, what, was your thoughts of the Vi- what were your thoughts of the Vikings signing uh, Pat Pete? And kind of like, where do you see, how do you see him fitting into the Mike Zimmer defense? Yeah. So, I mean, Mike Zimmer likes to play a lot of single high. So, you know, I, I think for him, because they've done – he's been through a bunch of different transitions throughout his time with Arizona. You know, ideally you want him to be more of a press man guy where he gets to, you know, kind of follow receivers around. That's what he did. It feels like he's been in the league for a bunch of years. He's really not that old, like, you know. But it seems like he's like – you would think he's like Sherman's age, right? You would think he's like 33 right. years old or something, and he's like not. So um, he still definitely has a good amount of athleticism. Is he what he was coming out of LSU? No, nah, he's not that. But he still is he's still a good cornerback, you know. Um, you know, he can he can do some things where he he can guard guys, especially certain skill sets, you know. Now, now again, like he's lost a little bit of athleticism. So if you have somebody that's really twitchy and has really great change of direction, that might give him a little bit of issues. I saw a couple of years ago him going up against Emmanuel Sanders when Emmanuel Sanders was with the Niners. Sanders kind of gave him fits a little bit, but he still definitely challenges guys. I think he's still very competitive as a cornerback. You know, overall, if I'm if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm I'm excited, and not just because of the name, just because there's still good football there. Kind of like what we saw from Richard Sherman, and I think he's still a better cornerback than Richard Sherman. But Sherman was really good for the 49ers, ended up being all pro, was never really the issue, you know, um, at least not consistently. I, I think Patrick Peterson can be that same type of guy for the Vikings. How do you think he fits with you know, the other corners, like I want, I guess, I guess I want to get your opinion on, on what do you think of uh, Jeff Gladney from last year? Uh, and then obviously Cameron Dantzler, uh, our third round selection a year ago, who, who kind of wowed a lot of uh, Viking fans and, and people across the league. Well, yeah, I know, I know, I know Dantzler played well. Um, Gladney, I, I mean, is you guys still have Hughes, right? Yeah, you know, he's he's got a neck issue yeah, so though. He's, he's, he's more, yeah, uh, neck issue. Okay, so you know, Gladney, I wouldn't be surprised if they started playing him a little bit more in the nickel, you know, role, and have your your longer guys, Peterson and 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 Dantzler on you know on the outsides. Um, I, I think he should go well, especially since uh, you know Hughes is having the neck issues and, and whatnot. So there's probably not that like, oh, what do we do? How do guys fit and whatnot? Um, it's probably more so of, all right, look, this is going to be the plan. These guys are talented. These guys should take uh, another, you know, a second year leap. You know, Dantzler played well. How can we get him to, you know, be even more consistent, be even, you know, better, you know, for the long haul? Hey, he can learn from Peterson. I know the 49ers cornerbacks learned a ton from Richard Sherman and the mental aspect of, like, football and not just playing off athleticism. It was much needed. They They can – probably learn a lot of things from a guy like Patrick Peterson. Now, I know they've had, you know, Harrison Smith back there at safety, but even then it's still nice to have somebody like Patrick Peterson who they probably grew up watching and admiring and being able to look up to him and probably go hang out with him and do work with him and him just kind of pick their brains and their minds on like, hey, this is how we do this, this is how we do that. So I think not even from like just the physical aspect of things, but the preparation, the mental standpoint, I think that's where that you'll probably see your young guys taking uh, a, a, a year or two leap. And I saw that with the 49ers when Richard Sherman showed up. 
That's great. Yeah. And, and you had mentioned safety. We got Harrison Smith and he's getting a little older as well. Right. And as you mentioned before, we, we play a lot of single high safety and, you know, I know we like to kind of interchange Smith out on the line up high, you know, he kind of plays that Joker card. Um, so going back to the draft here, what are some of those safeties? You know, uh, I think we talked about like Morig and, and Holland, um, that, that maybe fit that mold of, you know, that single high that can really help contribute to the team. Cause even though we did talk a lot on corners, I think safety might be a higher priority for us in the draft, just given the fact that we don't actually have anyone besides, um, Metellus, um, who's a second year player out of Michigan, um, really at safety right now. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Morig and, and, um, uh, and, uh, Holland? All right. So Morgan and Holland, um, the tough thing is neither one of them was like a they didn't play in like single high schemes. And you'll see that a lot in college football because there's just so much like cover four and match quarters type defenses. But um, I thought if it for one, my, I think in now more than ever, your safety has to be able to cover. And I think those are two guys who definitely have the ability to cover like that jumps out right away. Now, Holland, he played more nickel. He played in kind of like that star role that we saw like Minka Fitzpatrick in. It was, so he's listed at safety and he did at times do some single high, I mean, um, two high stuff, but he was more of pure like nickel. I'd say probably 90% of the time he was in that nickel spot and they put a lot of pressure on him. Like with some of the things they asked him to do, he was matched up in coverage a whole lot, having to turn, run with guy back, little man guys up. Um, and there wasn't, it wasn't like, hey, go press this guy. It was like, no, nah, like you're playing off, you're playing in space and have to guard sometimes guys that are, you know, quicker, twitchier than you. And you would see him sometimes get turned around and stuff. Like he had a tough time with like uh, Brandon Ayuk and those guys from the Arizona State. Um, Darby got him on like a little stutter goal where he was playing too high. Um, Darby got him for a touchdown. So th- those things definitely happen. But I mean, he might be one of the better tackling safeties I've seen come out in a long time. The way he closes and is able to make tackles in the open field, um, no leak yardage. Uh, Robert Sala used that term a lot. Uh, leak yardage is where you know you hit a guy, but he still falls forward. You weren't really seeing that when Holland was coming down on guys. So uh, there was a lot of good film on him. They asked a whole lot of him. They put a lot of pressure on him um, in the job that he had and the responsibility. Um, but I thought he handled it very well and showed the big time versatility. He's not a nickel. He is more of a safety just based on his movement skills and whatnot. But I think he can transition definitely into two high. And I don't think he'd have any issues uh, playing single high. Matter of fact, I think just his versatility and the ability to play in the box, around the box. You know, he was a, a three down guy that was in that area as well. He lined up right there over, you know, tight ends and whatnot. So he can come down, make tackles there. I don't think he'd have any issues being a single high guy and, and being able to anticipate and read stuff from there. There might be like just a slight learning curve, but I think he'll get it. Um, but yeah, I don't think he'll have any issues there. And then with Morig, I, I thought he was really good as well. Um, his again played, he played more of a cover four type defense where, you know, there was a lot of match stuff, but they, they, they put a lot on his plate as well, where he had to match with guys going vertical and be able to match their change of direction. I thought he, had good feet where he, you know, when he read it right, he was able to explode out of his break, make plays on the ball. So, you know, I didn't see him in the games I watched, you know, be as much of a tackler as Holland, who played a lot more around the line of scrimmage. But, I, you know, I, I didn't think that would be an issue. And even then with safeties, I know we think safety, you got to be able to tackle. But I think I prioritize coverage skills over anything right now. And I think he did that well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, one of the things I know you mentioned, they were asked to do a lot. And I think both of them in, in some of the tape that I've watched on Holland and, and Maring that they, uh, they seem to have a, a good IQ for the game. Uh, I, I'm watching them call a lot of stuff pre-snap and even in the middle of a play, they're, they're calling switches and, and stuff nonstop. So uh, I, I personally prefer Holland in that versatility. I would love to see him next to Harrison Smith, I think Zimmer uh, could really untap that potential and, and, and make him pretty elite uh, in the Vikings defense. So uh, that's who I lean for. But I do want to touch on one more cornerback prospect that we didn't quite get to. Um, another 
uh, prospect who football runs in the in the family, Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, I know I heard you on uh, our buddy J- JR's podcast not too long ago, um, and you were pretty high on Asante Samuel. So I wanted to see if you'd give some praises to him again here. Yeah. Um, so initially when I watched him, I put on the Clemson film and he was like primary, primarily a, a field corner. Um, they didn't play him in the boundary that game. Uh, when they got inside the 10, they would take him out. So I'm like, okay, like this screams nickel in the NFL. Like he's not a big guy. They, they, they are taking him out where you might have to be more physical or aggressive and whatnot. Um, saw some of his technique from that game where he was kind of feathering out too much and creating the space for Amari Rogers in the slot and just kind of giving him free releases. And I'm like, ah, okay, this film is kind of all over the place. I did notice in that game what jumped out a lot was, yeah, he's a really good tackler. That was the first thing I know, like, damn, really good tackler. And then I continued to watch games and I just saw him play a bunch of different ways, whether it was press coverage, whether it was a bill and be able to explode down and break up passes, um, getting really good in and out of his breaks. The tackling was extremely consistent. Um, there were other games where I saw him making plays on the ball in the end zone against bigger guys. So I don't know if Clemson was the only game where they're like, hey, these six, four guys on the outside, we don't want you having to jump with those guys. But um, in the other games, they they were playing him down in the red zone and, and inside the 10 had no issues. I thought he played the trio, being able to challenge balls at the catch point, breaking those passes up, did really good there. Um, the I think to start the Clemson game, they threw one up to, to T. Higgins and Higgins – jumped on his head, caught the ball. Um, but I think for the most part, his lack of height didn't seem like an issue to me. Thought uh, more times than not, when he needed to be able to play bigger at the catch point, I thought he did. Uh, again, probably the best tackling cornerback I've seen in this class, or at least the most willing cornerback who would kind of really go out of his way to make sure that he got in on on, on tackles, make sure that he defeated blocks, um, didn't care about the angles that he had. He, he was a really good tackler from that standpoint. So, um yeah, there was a lot to like about him. Um, you know, he probably you would like to maybe play him more in an off coverage scheme, but I mean, he he does have the ability to play press. But if he went to a team like you know, say like the Chargers, you know, um, you know, uh, who they just got the L.A. Rams defensive coordinator as their head coach, and he played more off coverage, like a team like that, a team like the Broncos, like um, I think the Packers are going to more of that that type of scheme as well. Like I think he fits that type of scheme very well. It's where he can play outside or inside. Okay. Um, he's probably what day two pick is is what kind of what we're thinking. I would assume you know you're when you're not that big you know he's about five ten and then he didn't run very well you know I mean he ran solid I mean he was in the low four fives but you know it's not like great you you can slide now Mike Hughes kind of he. Didn't run that great. Ran the four or five. Wasn't very tall. But Vikings still took him in the first round. So it definitely is a possibility. But, you know, if I had to guess, I would say he, he's a, he's more of a day two guy. Yeah, I, I'd, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Trey Brown. Again, I'm a big Oklahoma fan, as everyone knows. And and uh, that, that's my team. And he's, he's our only corner that's really worth a damn in this draft. <laughs> uh, have you gotten his tape at all? And, and what are your thoughts? Because for me, I know he's small um, and he hasn't obviously in, in college football, there's not a lot of nickel play, right? And typically safeties play in that role more or less. Um, but, you know, he, he's in your hip pocket almost at all times. And he's good punt returner, kick returner, and which that's a huge gap on our team here on the Vikings. So uh, have you gotten his film? What, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, no, nah, the, the first I've really seen of him was the senior bowl. So I saw a few reps. I also I have I actually have had people like in my mentions like talking like you know high on him. So that is somebody who um I definitely will be getting too short. Definitely before the draft, I'll be getting to him and put out, you know, I have my Patreon account, so I post all this stuff. All, all this content that I'm talking about now, you guys can see like live like visual breakdowns of strengths, weaknesses, all that stuff on my Patreon account. But um I haven't gotten to him quite yet, but I definitely will be getting to him. That's for sure. I got a bunch of of Oklahoma defensive stuff in my, uh, in my little drive. When perfect, we're talking about, perfect. yeah, you're, you're going to like, you're going to like him. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, if you hadn't caught on, Ryan is an Oklahoma fan to a fault. Uh, so <laughs> Trey Brown, even, I don't Man, know. I, how I heard they don't is. play defense in the big 12. <laughs> 
Nah, hey, hey, to be honest, I love partnering remotely last year. Um, I had him at my CB10. Um, that was another guy who I thought like took on a lot of challenges and whatnot. Another guy who didn't test great for somebody that didn't have that, you know, big time size and whatnot. Um, uh, I, I thought there was no way he should have been undrafted. I thought he was gonna be more of a day three guy, but I was thinking, you know, fifth round or so undrafted, I was kind of blown away. And then um to see him start off doing it so well with Tampa. But, you know, they just had too much youth in that secondary. So he ended up, you know, going to my 49ers, then going to, like, I think, like, the Brown Broncos or Bears or somebody. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes with guys like that, he can cover. And it's clear that he can cover. But if you don't have big-time special teams value, you might get bounced around a little bit until you just really make your way onto the field and show that I shut down corner and you guys could use me as that, even though I'm not as great on special teams. A lot of times guys like him, if he was a demon on special teams, he would just, he would stay on the, on the, on the Bucks 53 man roster and at least had that role until maybe somebody got hurt or he just found his way in. But I mean, they have a lot of young defensive backs anyway. So I think it was always going to be hard for him to crack that crack, stay on that roster. I know that uh, I know that we're getting close on time here, so I want to give everybody here just an opportunity to ask you one more question, and I'll start it off. Um, I kind of prepped it in the in the show notes here, but uh, who would be this year's Cameron Dantzler if you had to take it a shot who? in the dark? I would probably say who who we talked about, you know, uh, Saint Juice. You know, I think he's a guy who will be kind of that day two guy, you know, and has the talent, has the ability, but, you know, maybe teams are, like, a little iffy. You know, Dancer, I think his biggest issue is he ran, like, four or six something at the combine. So, like, that made him slide. But I think with St. Juice, man, like, I think he is that guy that, like, has the ability and, and could come into the NFL. And I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ended up playing very well as a rookie. Miles, Ryan, any final Ooh. questions here? Yeah, who who's better this year, the the Vikings or the 49ers? <laughs> um, Slash, I, do you I, want I think Kirk because Cousins? of our yeah, I think because of our quarterback situation, we're kind of in the same. You know what? I'd actually take the Vikings because at least your quarterback plays every game. Like we don't know if our quarterback's <laughs> going to play from one game to the next. So, um, but don't y'all y'all want him though, right? Y'all can y'all y'all want him. Send us the twelfth pick. You're gonna happen. Ah, no, yeah, you got some uh you got some businesses that you, you're a part of and, and that you're you know you've uh, founded here. So can you talk about some of those? Uh, you said you mentioned your Patreon account, we have Arise Athletics. Uh can you talk a little bit more about some of those personal ventures you got? Oh yeah, uh, so my Patreon account uh you know, I put out all these videos and all this. I've been putting it on Twitter and stuff, and, like, my following has grown. But I'm like, dang, man, I put in a lot of hours <laughs> doing this stuff, and I'm not monetizing off of it. So someone had told me, like, hey, crack, like, create you a Patreon account. I'm like, dude, what is Patreon? And I'm like, they're like, well, people, like, it's like OnlyFans, but not OnlyFans, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, yeah, but I kind of brushed it off. They told me, somebody told me again, like, hey, do you have a Patreon? Like, I'll subscribe to it. I was like, no, nah, I don't have one. I just brush it off again. Then I talked to some guy, and he was like, yeah, man, look, I'm, like, making, like, over $6,000 a month off Patreon. Like, I, he was like, you know, I'm uh, projected to make this much and stuff. I'm like, wait, what? Let me get on this. I immediately created one. So I've had one for about a month now, and um, it's gradually growing. You know, uh, you know, I'm up to, like, over 50 uh, patrons right now. So, you know, that's really cool. I put out a ton of, like, draft content. Um, I have like a little podcast I do, like stuff that I do like that specifically for people that are, you know, subscribed to the Patreon account. So all this draft, like right now it's all like, you know, um, receivers, defensive back breakdowns and everything, like really uh, detailed breakdowns. And then um, I have a podcast where I just touch on like hot topic uh, things where, you know, I'll spend like, you know, 10, 15 minutes on just certain topics and whatnot around the NFL. Uh, and then I, um, when the NFL season comes, I'll be having like key matchups of the week. You know, if it's like Ramsey against, you know, Justin Jefferson, like that type of thing, like I'll break down like, you know, different plays, why this happened, why that happened, like, you know, and all that. So it's going to be real fun, man. It's going to be, you know, I hope, you know, people subscribe to it. 
Um, it's really cool. I spent a lot of time with it, man. You know, like you know, breaking down all the film, cutting it up, making the videos, putting it out. And so far, everybody, you know, they've loved it. So that that's really cool. I have a lot of fun with that. Then Rise Athletics, I have my own training facility out here in Arkansas. Um, I'm actually we're building a facility uh, that should be up this summer, and um, it's gonna be like much bigger where I. Uh, you know, train like pretty much all the athletes in the Southeast Arkansas. So <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it's all cool. All that stuff. Man. That, that's that's awesome. I'm going to have to get on. I, there's different tiers for, for the Patreon account, right? Yeah. So there's, I have like a $3 tier, but I mean, you get like the podcast, but that's it. And then there's the $10 tier, um, which is pretty much the main one that people get where um, you have access to, to everything. And then I, 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 I just created today, a 49er one, like a faithful one, but like that's just gonna be like it's just all 49er stuff. But everything else, like the the MVP tier, that's where you can you can pretty much get access to every single breakdown I've done. Which um, you have, you know, Patrick Sertain, Jamar Chase. There's a Devonte Smith, uh, uh, Marshall, um, all pretty much all the corner Stokes. There's teach tape. I do teach tape stuff where. I'll show specific plays and we'll break down the play on why it happened, where there's press coverage, off coverage. Um, you know, I did a, a half step video with Devontae Adams, uh, Dayami De- Brown, and Brandon Ayuk showing like the half step and what it is and how it affects the cornerback. Um, so, you know, all that stuff, I put all that stuff out there. That's in, that's in the uh, MVP too. There's got to be a, a coaching career in your future. <laughs> Um, I've been asked, but I kind of like being my own boss. You know, once you get to coaching, you're you're at their mercy and you can be fired at any time. And it's just so up and down with everything, how it goes with coach. You're away from your family a ton. So yeah. um, my wife's next to me right now. And, you know, I'm able to spend time with her <laughs> while podcasting with you guys. So I, I prefer that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I won't take up much more of your time. So uh, uh, Ryan Miles. Thanks for for hopping on again, uh, like you guys do. And uh, Crocker, it was it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, we love chatting football, and um, you know, for everyone listening, uh, make sure you go follow him, subscribe to his Patreon account. Uh, if you're down in that South Arkansas area, go to Rise Athletics and get a workout in. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, till next some, time, we'll have some, to have you on again. Get some. Is it Vans? You wear Vans or Chucks? I can't remember. Vans. That's what it is. Really I, both, I've seen people really wear both. both but yeah, yeah, I wear both, but um, I am more of a Vans guy. But, yeah, I mean, I, either one, man, I, I enjoy wearing my Vans. I mean, I work out I in them. I, I wear them to the mall. I wear <laughs> That's all I wear. I used to be like, you know, I buy a bunch of Jordans and stuff. Now I'm wearing yep. just straight Vans. Well, when I played, there was always someone that wore Chucks or Vans because they liked how flat it was. I'm just like, yeah. I, I, there's not enough. There's not enough. Uh, like when you jump, I don't like that impact. There's not enough cushion there. Yeah, my my feet would probably be all messed up when I'm 60 years old. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks again, guys, uh, for everyone listening. Next week, uh, we will be on Thursday instead of Wednesday. We will have Thor Nystrom from Roto World coming on to talk about offensive tackles and wide receivers, so you won't want to miss that. Um, Thanks for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next time. Skull. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, Please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Everybody.